From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey and Charleston, South Carolina, this is Teeing It Up presents the Sunday Sprint for week four of the national football season. Luke Morrow is alongside. Good morning, Luke. Good morning. We've reached the uh, the first uh, quarter here of the season already, unfortunately. Um, yeah, unfortunately for some, but the Jets have a bye. I'm fortunate. <laughs> yeah, I can't lose this week. How do you have a voice after calling a Citadel football game yesterday that went six overtimes with a final score of 61 to 55? Uh, it still hasn't recovered yet. Um, the game itself took about four hours. We do a two-hour pregame, about a half-hour postgame. So it was like a you know like a seven-hour broadcast yesterday. And, uh, then we got back at about uh, 3 a.m. And, and up this morning for some football. So we're we're getting there. It's still recovering. Do you need me to run the show today? Oh, I think we'll make it through. Okay. Uh, we're going to start with Cleveland and Baltimore. And this, to me, is a really interesting game because Baltimore is 2-1, and one, and people are trying to figure out if Lamar Jackson is real or if it's a smokescreen. We'll talk about smokescreens later when it comes to the Bills. You get the Browns, who have been disappointing so far, yet they invested so much in that defense. It would seem like this is a gut-check game for Baltimore and at the same time, it's a gut check game for Cleveland because I don't think they want to go to one and three. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, you get a couple weeks into the season, as you reference with the Bills, uh, you don't know yet if teams are real or not. And these are two teams that I think you can make the case for both of them. Uh, this is a big game for each team still try to prove themselves. Well, the Ravens got off that good start, so did Lamar, but they did so against maybe the two worst defenses in the league. And then last week against the Chiefs, it looks better in the box score because they got two scores late in the fourth quarter there and a couple of uh, deep throws. But, I mean, they were down in that fourth quarter against the Chiefs by, uh, I think at one point, you know, over 20 points. Uh, it really wasn't all that competitive against a good team. And for the Browns, as you said, I mean, the Browns, they've gone off through this point. Their only win was against that Jets team with a third-string quarterback on Monday Night Football, which was a disaster. Otherwise, uh, they scored, I think, 13 points in their two home games. So both of these teams need to step up today and still prove that they're for real. Uh, Cleveland's been a huge disappointment, all the hype, and the Ravens are still not sold yet or on Lamar Jackson because uh, they beat two good teams and got beat pretty good by the, or I should say, beat two bad teams and got beat pretty good by the only good team they've played so far. Can I just go on a tangent about the Jets? Yeah. Do you realize that they've scored on, like, two of their 37 offensive possessions so far <laughs> this year? Yeah. And Rich Semini has a stat in his Sunday column this week that um, the Jets are 1-12 in their last 13 games, and that's the worst um, record in the NFL. Wow. Yeah. The Jets, <laughs> Redskins, the uh, Panthers, the Cardinals, they've all been terrible since about uh, last October. Uh, but, yeah, that's basically what it's like to be a Jet fan right now. No hope. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's really unfortunate. I've always wondered what it was like to be a fan of, you know, the Lions a decade ago when you knew they were going to be non-competitive every year. Uh, and uh, I, I feel for you because, that, that, you know, that's tough. You wait all year for the football season, and then your season's over within a couple of weeks. It, that's, a, that's a tough uh, existence as a football. And that's why my dad was very upset about how that first game ended and we sat up here there in the upper deck and he said we can lose this thing and boy was he right because that's a whole you're looking at one and two versus oh and three right now so and and, and anyway that that's just a, a tangent about that um 
But yeah, it's going to be interesting today to see who's for real, who's not for real, or if this is just a really sloppy game, which it could be. The over-under in this game is 46 and a half. Um, could be one of those 24-20 type games that neither defense looks very good or neither offense looks good, and they get like special team scores or something, and it just is ugly. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Um, speaking of ugly, that's what I think could happen in Orchard Park today for Pat's Bills. Luke, to me, this smells of a Patriot blowout and a return to normalcy for Buffalo. And I have no idea why this is just a seven-point favorite line for the Pats in the gambling fantasy um, edition of the Sunday Sprint. Danny Fleck has said that's more a function of this game being in Orchard Park and just a, um, a nod to the Bills and that atmosphere. Uh, because to me, this smells like a Patriot blowout. I agree with you about the blowout. Uh, I was surprised that the line did open that large, but it shows that you know either the disrespect or the disbelief from Vegas and the Bills as well to be a seven-point dog at home when you're already undefeated. But Buffalo, there. No, see, I'm surprised it wasn't more Patriots being favored. Well, I'm on the opposite end. Interesting. Like, undefeated team at home. To, to, to open up as at one point it was seven and a half uh, at home as a three and team. I mean, it shows that obviously Vegas doesn't believe in Buffalo. Maybe rightfully so. Uh, their opponents are combined one and eight to start the year. Uh, this is I agree with you. This is one of those games that the Patriots I think will go into Buffalo. Uh, they've been hearing about the Bills all week. Uh, even the Bills who were kind of talking trash this week about, hey, we have our guy, Josh Allen, we're not worried about Tom Brady, yada, yada, yada. I think this is one of those cases where the Patriots go in there and just put them in their place and uh, give Buffalo a reality check, where the Bills may be a playoff team this year, in part because of the start, but they're not a true contender in the AFC. I don't believe in Josh Allen. The defense is really good. Patriots offensive line's a little banged up. Uh, they could pressure Brady, maybe they'll keep things close, but uh, Josh Allen, I don't think, could make enough plays to beat New England, even at home. Young quarterbacks always struggle against Belichick, uh, as Allen did a year ago. So uh, I'm with you. I think the Patriots go in there and, and put the Bills in their place here early this season. Yes, and one thing to watch today is the Patriots. Um, obviously, they, you know, the Antonio Brown fiasco, they lose him. Um, and Julian Edelman is banged up. He's going to play with that chest injury, but he's banged up. If they can get up early, they can try to rest some of these guys who could use some more rest, um, and especially that receiving core that's been banged up at times for Tom Brady. So if they can get everybody healthy, that would be uh, very kind when it comes to the Patriots' cause. Kansas City-Detroit, this game, I believe, is a trap game. This is a seven-point line that I would not be surprised as the reports come out that Matt Stafford is very is in pain and is banged up and is going to try to give it a go. But the last second, this line expands to more of a Kansas City favorite than, than just seven points. Because for me, I, I, I get it, Detroit. You're 2-0-1, but I just think that you know, Patrick Mahomes and company are just going to go crazy here. Yeah, I would like to think so. The big question is about uh, Stafford. How healthy is he truly? I mean, if without a 100% version or, or some sort of good version of Stafford, then yeah, the Lions are in big, big trouble. They won't be able to, to keep up. But if Stafford is healthy enough, uh, I'm curious to see Detroit at home. Uh, obviously, they haven't lost yet this year. Uh, and you go up against the Chiefs team that I believe this is three out of four on the road to begin the season. Um, 
So, you know, maybe it finally catches up to Kansas City. Uh, maybe you're looking beyond Detroit because despite that 2-0-1 record, I don't know if people really believe that Detroit is a true contender this year. Um, I'm intrigued by that Matt Patricia defense going up against uh, Pat Mahomes. Now, Patricia is no Bill Belichick, certainly, but obviously he comes from that coaching tree, tries to run a similar defense, and the one coach who always seems to give Belichick and his defense problems has been Andy Reid. Andy Reid may not always beat the Patriots, but his offense usually succeeds against the Patriots, and now he goes up against Belichick's, um, you know, uh, apprentice, whatever you want to call him, in that similar defense today. So Mahomes and Andy Reid should be very familiar with what they're seeing defensively today, and if Stafford isn't healthy enough, he won't be able to keep up on the other side. Tony Romo opened with 270, two under, turned out to be the cut line at the PGA Tour Safeway Open. Tony Romo did not have the fry that he wanted, which means he will be on the call for Vikings Bears alongside Jim Nance today on CBS at 425. It will not be Boomer Esiason, it will be Tony Romo as they face your Vikings, Luke. And uh, this is a crucial game in the AFC North, especially after the Packers lost on Thursday night. Both teams are two and one. For a nation that may not have seen the Vikings so far, what are they what should they expect today? Well before I do get into that, I want to say how disappointed I was. I was hoping for Boomer to be on the call instead of uh, Romo, but he really choked. And uh, you can you can start all your Romo choking jokes from what happened on uh, on Friday. And also, you know, what a weird start to the year for Romo and Nance. They've done, what, the, like Titans, Browns? I think they've had the Raiders already. Now they're doing the Bears, Vikings. It's been like a weird couple of weeks for those. Saints, Saints, Seattle. Saints, Seattle, yeah. Uh, but anyways. Hashtag Crossflex. What's that? Hashtag Crossflex. Yeah, I know. It'll be weird to watch my Vikings and the Bears on CBS today. Uh, and some, yes, make sure you have the right channel queued up, Luke. I will. I'll remember, too. I'll be watching Fox wondering where it is. Um, <laughs> Instead, you'll see the State Farm postgame show. Yeah. Uh, then I'll realize something's wrong. Yes. Um, in terms of the Vikings and what to expect of what we've seen this year, uh, actually the Vikings and the Bears have been very similar. They're two really good defensive teams. They like to run the football, and they try to do, uh, they try to make their quarterbacks do as little as possible. The Bears try to make it as easy as possible in Trubisky, and for the Vikings, in their two wins this year, Kirk Cousins, I mean, has almost been, um, uh, it, it's been like he wasn't even out there. I threw it only 10 times in week one. Threw it 21 times last week in a win against Oakland, but only a handful of times in the second half. They just like to run the football and play good defense, and they're going to try to do the same today. But in order to win on the road and beat good teams win the division, your quarterback needs to be able to make enough plays. And that's where they got in trouble against Green Bay was Kirk Cousins had statistically the worst game of his career. He was terrible in Green Bay when they needed him the most. So today, he's probably going to have to make some plays if they want to beat Chicago. He can't just throw the football 10 times and win like week one at home against Atlanta. And similar for the Bears. Uh, Trubisky, when they lost to the Packers week one, he didn't make enough plays. He was terrible. Uh, Packers loaded up on defensive backs to keep Trubisky from being able to run and to counteract uh, his speed and make him have to beat them with his arm, and he couldn't. So it's going to come down to the two quarterbacks. These are two teams that will play good defense. Uh, we'll we'll uh, try to establish a run game. We'll try to possess the football. But whichever quarterback doesn't screw things up today will probably be the one that wins. Is the strong defenses why the over-under is 38? Which is, which is one of the lowest of, of the entire week. Only Jacksonville, I'm just taking a quick look. Uh, only Jacksonville, Denver is lower. Wow, well, yeah, 38 
28. Yeah, I think because the defenses, and again, because the quarterbacks, I mean, do you trust Mitch Trubisky and Kirk Cousins right now to go out there and, and throw for a bunch of touchdowns or no. a bunch of yards to make plays, especially against these two defenses they're facing? It could be one of those classic, uh, that's what we're used to seeing, a Bears-Vikings, those classic defensive battles. Yes, I, I agree with you. Um, and, I, and I think that's why this game doesn't have a lot of sizzle and pop, even though it's a big national game. Um, one last thing on this game. Dalvin Cook, is he the X factor for the Vikings? Certainly. Uh, he needs to play well in order for them to win each week. And Chicago has only allowed one running back to go over 55 yards at home in the last two years. So he's going to have his work cut out for him today, but he needs to play well if they want to win. And the Vikings' official YouTube uh, channel posted an interview with Nance, and they've allowed like one 100-yard rusher in some absurd amount of time. So... It's it's been a while um, for anybody trying to run crazy against the Bears. So this is a big game um, for Dalvin Cook to to try to give you guys something out of the backfield. And finally, Dallas New Orleans. This to me is another opportunity. Did you just sneeze? No. Okay, we heard some. I, I heard some noise that sounded like a sneeze. <laughs> I, I don't know what the. I don't know. I didn't hear anything. Okay, then it was just me, I guess. And finally, Dallas-New Orleans, and what I think is an interesting game for Dak Prescott. It took him a while last week against the Dolphins and, the, and, and, and for the entire Cowboy offense to get going. They got going. They have more pieces right now than the Saints without Drew Brees, yet that defense needs to step up and stop Kamara, who may be the best best shifty running back slash wide receiver in the entire NFL. You don't know what they're going to do with Taysom Hill. I think the Cowboys win this game, but I think it's a lot. Uh, it's one of their uglier wins all year. And and, uh, sorry, not ugly. It's going to be one of their tighter games all year, and they're going to have to fight to the end to pull it off. I, I'm with you. I think the Cowboys certainly should win. I know it's on the road, uh, night game, national TV. is going to be crazy there in New Orleans. Uh, but they have their backup quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is just, he's not good enough. Uh, and so the Cowboys should win this game, but I was even a little concerned to see, I know they're on the road in all those situations, but a two-and-a-half point line for Dallas, I almost feel like this is one of those like sucker bets wanting you to take the Cowboys. Uh, they should certainly, well, last week the Saints looked good, but Bridgewater averaged two yards of uh, air to two yards per completion in the air. All of his completions were just, you know, they just screened the Seahawks to death. He didn't do anything. He's going to have to make some plays against the Cowboys tonight, and I don't think he'll be able to. Uh, but Prescott and the Cowboys, this is one of those games where you talk about the Bills and the Chiefs and the Ravens. I think the Cowboys still need to show themselves. They've been three bad defenses. They didn't look that great last week against the Dolphins as more tape comes out on Kellen Moore in this offense. And now you go up against New Orleans, forget the quarterback on the other side. You're playing that defense on the road. Sunday night game, defense is pretty good. The Cowboys uh, still need to show me that this offense with Kellen Moore and the big numbers they're putting up is legit. Do you know that Kellen Moore is the last left-hander coming into this season to start an NFL game? Yes, I did know that. I actually tweeted about that uh, a couple weeks ago. He's also... Uh, uh, well, I was going to say he's the last lefty quarterback to, I believe, last uh, went to throw a touchdown as well, which was a couple years ago. Since then, the only lefties to throw the touchdowns were, um, you know, it was like a safety for the Titans. Uh, I think a running back did it. It's all these other crazy players that have thrown lefty. Des Bryant. Yeah, Des Bryant as well. Uh, Thank you, Peyton's Places, by the way. The uh, most recent episode with uh, Steve Young. Crazy though, it's it's really bizarre the lack of left-handed quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, certainly, and uh, two will be one next year out of Alabama, but there there aren't many. Yeah, 
Um, I was going to say something about, oh, yes. Uh, you talked about Teddy Bridgewater, two yards in the air. That sounds like the Jets offense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Lots of screens uh, to Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> right. Asking him not to do very much. He's going to have to do more tonight. Yes, that is for sure. Luke, we're getting to the end of our radio program. I know. Your game of the day. Oh, game of the day. I I try not to pick my Vikings, so let me say, <laughs> you know, I'll say Patriots Bills. I am really intrigued by that game to see how well the the Bills uh, play today against New England. Same. Um, your sleeper game. Uh, sleeper game. Let me say. I'm going to say the Panthers-Texans because uh, I just think they are, uh, with Kyle Allen, the Panthers' offense is better than with Cam Newton. I think uh, those could be two good offenses. I think it will be a close game. I think we could see some points. And uh, being where I am, I'm also very intrigued to watch Carolina go into Houston and see how well they do. Cincy-Pittsburgh. Tank for Tua has a lot of contenders this year, more than I think some people thought. The Jets, the Steelers with Mason Rudolph, the Bengals. There's a lot of teams without a win, and tanking for Tua has more than just the Dolphins in that running. That's a good point. It's true. Um, your uh, survivor game. Uh, I'm picking them myself. I'm staying away from the Dolphins this week. I usually pick the Dolphins opponent. I'm going with the, uh, the Rams at home against the Buccaneers. Uh, that's a good one. I am going to go um, with... I, I, I failed to pick this out before the show, which is not good of me. Uh, Seattle, Arizona. I know Arizona had a tie, and Kyler Murray showed some stuff, but it's early. I think this is a week to pick against the uh, Cardinals. Interesting. I think the Cardinals may actually pull the upset. We shall see. Five-and-a-half-point favorites, Seattle is. Yeah, I'm rolling with Arizona, at, the, uh, at least with the point spread. Yes. Um, and then... Your player to watch? Uh, a little bit uh, biased because of uh, the job I have. It's Kyle Allen because uh, I believe, and I've been saying this since December on my morning show, that uh, it's time to transition away from Cam Newton. Allen has played really well, but today is going to be his biggest test yet out of his four career games. If he plays well today, he continues to push that, that narrative, have that conversation about this is the end for Cam Newton in Carolina. Luke, of course, is the host of the Morrow Mornings radio program on ESPN 98.9 uh, Charleston, South Carolina. You can listen online on what website? Uh, I think it's charlestonsportsradio.com. There you go. That's all the information. When's my next golf appearance? Can I... Uh, is Tiger's return at the Zozo Championship in Japan good enough for me to come on the air? Um... Maybe. We should have done it last week for Tony Romo. We, we should have. And I, and I would have been way wrong. Because <laughs> I would have expected him to implode because he has shown nothing in his previous three appearances. But I'm, I'm telling you, and, and, and Nance is right when he says this. That Thursday 70 when he beat Justin Thomas, beat Phil Mickelson, beat Hideki Matsuyama, that's going to get a lot more sponsor exemptions for him. And this ongoing debate about who should get them is going to continue. He did not take a spot away from somebody. Unrestricted sponsor invites can go to anyone. So he didn't take a spot away. It's a myth that I will go on every radio program if I have to to dispel. Um, 
but uh, he's going to get some more after this. So you'll have more opportunities to have me on to talk Tony Romo, the golfer. Perfect. I love CBS doing whatever he wants. He wants to go skip work to go play golf. Go right ahead. So you know the backstory to this, right? I don't think so. Okay. And, and, and we'll use this as part of the, of the podcast. I think this could be of interest to people. Tony Romo played in one PGA Tour event in the 2017-18 season. That is the season um, that the two golf seasons ago took place in the calendar year 2018, and that was the PGA Tour event in the Dominican Republic that is opposite a World Golf Championship event. So this event has a weaker field. They needed some publicity. They got Mr. Romo. This was during uh, the WGC Match Play Championship. In 2019, so for the 18-19 season, but in calendar year 19, he played in two events, the Dominican Republic event and the AT&T Byron Nelson at his home course in Dallas. Uh, missed the cut in both. It has come out since that the Safeway Open, the event he played in this week, offered him a sponsor invite for last season. So it would have been the 2018 Safeway Open, but CBS did not give him permission to play in it. They said yes this time. Why would they say yes, you wonder? He's in a contract year. So they may want to say, you know what, if you want to go off and play golf, we'll make it work. They moved all their production meetings to yesterday so that Romo could play. They assumed he would miss the cut. Or if he made the cut, they would give enough time for Boomer to fly in. And um, they moved all their production meetings with both teams to yesterday so that Romo could be there for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm bending over back. They clearly don't want to lose him. And I'm looking forward to Tony Romo's uh, $10 million a year contract for next year. Yes. And um, he does not want to be a... It's interesting. He, he, He has said publicly he's happy being a football analyst. He doesn't want to be a golf analyst, blah, blah, blah. And yet he goes in the Golf Channel booth on Thursday, gets to call some golf and said, I finally did it. I finally broadcasted golf. So, and there's obviously a lot of connections there. The, the uh, producer for, the, for that event was a friend of the program, Brent Packer, Billy Packer's son. The Nance family is still close with the Packers. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of connections there between Romo CBS and um, that Golf Channel booth on uh, Thursday, but but it is interesting that he got to call some golf, which has been rumored for a while. But everybody at CBS says no, it's not happening yet. So we'll see if that is a contract point at some point. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to Tony Romo. That's right, Luke. Thank you. My pleasure as always. Enjoy your football Sunday, everybody. <laughs>